0: No book on earth is deeper and richer than the Bible, and few passages of Scripture go deeper than the ninth chapter of the book of Romans. Welcome to Canyon Ridge Radio with Pastor Chris Chadwick, a ministry of Canyon Ridge Baptist Church in San Diego. You'll hear verse-by-verse preaching that will help you know and love Jesus in a personal and practical way. Open your Bibles with us to Romans chapter 9 and listen into part 2 of this message in progress as we learn together from the Bible
1: we know that we can't go back, but there's a sincerity of heart that we really do. There, there's a desire for us to be able to go back and make some different decisions. If we could go back and make those decisions, if we could go back and not say those hurtful words, if if we could go back and, and uh, you know, not go that way home where we had the accident, but go a different way home, we'd probably do that. But we can't, but we're sincere in it. So, th- so that's similar in construct, though Paul's is a lot weightier because it's not a personal benefit. But Paul is saying, I could wish myself accursed. The word accursed is the Greek word anathema, and it means estrangement from Christ and his salvation. It, it denotes being given over to divine condemnation. In other words, Paul said this, I, I would be willing to suffer and spend eternity in the fires of hell. if my brethren, according to the flesh, we'd say it this way, if the Jews would be saved. That's heavy. That's powerful. Because Paul understood what it meant to spend eternity in hell. He was was the theologian of the day. The story is told in Luke chapter sixteen of a rich man he's a rich man. We don't know how rich he is, but seems from the kind it's a true story it's not a It's not a parable that Jesus would often tell. This is a true story, and this man, who is very, very wealthy would demonstrate his wealth and this still happens in that in, in in third world countries, he would demonstrate his wealth by what he wore and what he ate. And so he would have these the Bible actually uses this words this word. He would have sumptuous meals every day. What's a sumptuous meal? It's a it's a huge meal. We might in our vernacular it might be something like Thanksgiving. It would be a, a sumptuous meal, like, like it would be a lot of food, and it would be a lot of good food. Now, if you say, oh, I don't like Thanksgiving, well, just think of whatever food that you like, and that's what it would be. And there would be people that would come to his house, uh, maybe not every day, but regularly, and they would throw parties, and he would demonstrate his wealth, and, and he would and they, they would eat large amounts of food. I mean, he was probably, in some ways, a, a, a glutton, and, and he would wear beautiful clothes, and they would have parties, and the in the yard and in the courtyard of his mansion and, and people would come in and he had five brothers and they would bring his family over uh, they, they'd bring their families over and, i mean they would they would have all of the meats and they'd have all of the sides and all of the uh, the cakes and all of the desserts and and they would be huge and he would come in and out of his house and when he came in and came out, people always tried to cure favor with him because he was a he was a wealthy man. The Bible says the rich has many friends this guy had a lot of people who wanted to be his friend because he was a wealthy dude. He was the Jeff Bezos of his day. He was the Elon Musk of his day. He was, he was just super, super wealthy. And he demonstrated his wealth, as is so often done in third world countries. You, you go to Cambodia, you go to Laos, you go to South America and some of the mountain villages. And I'm just telling you, you will see rich people who want everyone to know that they're wealthy. You don't drive on the streets of Cambodia in a Ferrari because it's fun to drive. You you can walk faster half the time than you can drive. Traffic's so bad. But you see somebody in a Ferrari going like half a mile an hour. Why are they doing that? Oh, not to get from point A to point B. That's not what they're doing. They're doing it to simply demonstrate their wealth, and that's what this man was doing. He was wanting everyone to know how wealthy he was. Well, in contrast to that, outside of his gate was this crippled man who was put outside the gate every day, and, and the Bible says that his friends would bring him, and they'd drop him off, and they'd lay him outside the gate of the rich man's table, hoping to receive some of the crumbs. The Bible doesn't say he ever did. This rich man had the capacity and the ability to feed Lazarus. But it doesn't say that he ever did. It just says that Lazarus hoped that he did. We don't know that the rich man was a good man. I've heard people say he fed Lazarus because Lazarus went there every day to be put there. We don't know that that's the case. Lazarus could have went there for a lot of reasons. You travel today to to, to, to indigent parts of the world, the third world countries. Sometimes they'll sit there because it's a thoroughfare. Sometimes they'll sit there because there's just the possibility and and, and there's a hope. Sometimes they'll sit there because there's a shade tree. I mean, we don't know why Lazarus sat there other than he hoped to receive something from the rich man's table, but, but we don't know that he ever did. But what we know, without a doubt, is the rich man had the capacity to care for the needs of Lazarus and chose not to care for the needs of Lazarus. Seems like Lazarus' one repeat brief, according to the Scripture in Luke chapter 16, was that the dogs from the city would come and lick his wounds, what we would assume to be bed sores from a crippled man, kind of stuck there, sitting on his uh, on his uh, legs and on his uh, on his backside and on his back, just propped up against the wall over time. Wounds would develop and the dogs of the city would come and, and they would just lick his sores. as a And that was, in some ways, that was helpful and, and, and provided a sense of relief for Lazarus. That, that was Lazarus's life. His friends would drop him off, they'd pick him up, they'd take him back, they'd drop him off, they'd pick him up, they'd, him up, they'd, take, him up, they'd take him back. Day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out for years. Until one day, Lazarus died and the rich man died. Lazarus, when he died, he went to heaven. The rich man, when he died, he went to hell. Now, I want to say one thing here. Lazarus didn't go to heaven because he was poor and the rich man didn't go to hell because he was rich. Lazarus went to heaven because he had accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior, looking forward to the coming Messiah. Lazarus put his faith in Christ alone. The rich man didn't go to hell because he was wealthy. There'll be a lot of wealthy people in heaven. The rich man went to hell because he rejected the coming Messiah in Jesus Christ. He rejected God and God's law. He lived for himself. And so the rich man goes to hell, and Lazarus goes to heaven. And there's an account of the rich man that we read about in Luke chapter 16, verse 23. And the Bible says this, and in hell he, the rich man, lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, and cried, the rich man cried, and said, here is a quote, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send the Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue. Why? I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But he is now comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. So they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us who would come from thence. In other words, you can't come to us, and we can't come to you. Then the rich man said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they should come to this place of torment. And Abraham said unto them, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. This place of torment is the place Paul says, I'm willing to spend eternity there. I'm willing to spend eternity there so that the nation of Israel, if the nation of Israel would be saved. I would trade my salvation for theirs any day of the week. These people, verse number three, for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, my countrymen, these people who rejected Christ, these people who mocked Christ, these people who murdered Christ. I'd give my life for them. And Not only Christ, these people who've rejected me. These people who've mocked me. These people who've abused me. Paul was abused by these people. The Bible says in Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty-four, Paul says of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Or they beat him with a count of nine tails, which is a a stick or rod with nine strands of leather coming off, with with things that are are tied into the end of them like pottery or bones or rocks. And they would take that and they would they would whip it around Paul or whoever was the victim there, and the leather would wrap around the body and dig into the flesh, and and then the the person doing the whipping would yank on it and tear the flesh out, and and we believe historically, but by the time that Paul wrote this in Second Corinthians, he had been so beaten and the scar tissue was so massive that he literally walked uh, as a stupor, probably like this, just because of the of the scarring that the continual scarring that went on his back. He says, "I mean, of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one." Thrice was I beaten with rods. We might understand it this way. Three times he was flogged. Once I was stoned. That doesn't mean having rocks thrown at him. If you read the book of Acts and the account where this happened, they threw large rocks at him until they thought he was dead, and they only left him there because they thought he had died. He says, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils among false brethren, Paul went through all of this at the hands of the Jews. And yet he was willing to die and spend eternity in hell for them. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. I'm willing to do anything to see them come to Jesus, even if it means dying and going to hell. Now, I'm not going to deal with this in this service. I did in the 830. You can watch the, the service or listen to it later. But the third point is the blessing God had been to Israel. And I, and I just simply want to say this. There had never been a nation on earth that had been blessed by, like the nation of Israel. They had received the law. They had heard from God. They had the prophets. They saw the Shekinah glory of God. I mean, God had blessed them in ways. Look at it in verse four and five. Again, you don't need to bring it up. I'll just read it. The giving of the law, the service of God. That just means the corporate worship service of God, the promises of God, the promise we believe of the coming Messiah, Paul doesn't declare it, but that seems to be what he is talking about. Verse number five, whose are the fathers, the patriarchs, Abraham, Mm -hmm. Isaac, Jacob, whose name would be changed to Israel, and and then the coming of the Messiah. I mean, these people had been so blessed by God. And so Paul is saying here in this text of scripture, he's saying, Mm -hmm. "I I'm willing to give my life for these people who should have known better. These people who should have known better. I'm willing to give my life so that they can come to Christ. They had been blessed like nobody else had ever been blessed. They'd been blessed way more than the Gentile nations had been blessed.
0: If you like what you've heard so far, check out CanyonRidgeRadio.com. You can see videos and listen to hundreds of Bible messages that will help you in your walk with the Lord. You can also send a message to me and Pastor Chadwick Check us out at CanyonRidgeRadio.com. Now, back to the message in progress.
1: And I'm willing to give my life for these folks who, who have rejected Christ. Israel had all the blessings, and yet they had rejected Christ. They, they, they had the promises without Jesus, which made their life meaningless. They had the ceremony without the Savior, which they had religion. They had a regulation without a Redeemer, which was legalism. I mean, these, they, they, they had everything, but they had nothing because they didn't have Jesus. You might be here today, and you have everything. We talk about burdens and you're like, I've got them. But man, if you knew how much I had. Your bank account is fat. Like you could pay this church building off and it wouldn't affect you at all. Please do that. But I mean, your bank account is fat. You can go on vacation tomorrow, no big deal. Your family's together. Your family at Christmas time looks like a cross between Norman Rockwell and a Hallmark movie. Kids are good, the house is good, you own a business, you got what seems like everything. You've been blessed beyond measure. But there's so many in this room like that, but you don't have Jesus. So since you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything. You see, because here's the reality. Without Jesus, we all die and spend eternity in hell. Without Jesus, the Bible says we're miserable, we're hopeless. It's not, you say, well, Pastor, are you saying this to try to, try to uh, you know, force me into a decision? I can't force anybody, but I want to tell you this, that a decision for Jesus Christ is the greatest decision you'll ever make. It's an eternity-changing decision, because when you accept Jesus, Jesus changes everything. Jesus wants to save your soul from an eternity in hell. Jesus loves you so much that he left heaven and came to earth and died for your sin so that you could have eternal life. Because here's what you already know. I mean, you already know this. You're a sinner. You've messed up. And so have I. The Bible says that we're all sinners. The Bible says for all of sinned come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us in this room, and every Jew, every Gentile that Paul is writing to in the church of Rome who hears this message, every single one of them are sinners. They've all sinned against God. And because of their sin, the price to pay for sin is an eternal separation from God. That's why Paul wrote earlier, we studied it a few months ago, uh, where Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6 verse 23 that the wages of sin is death. What you earn because you're a sinner is death. And, and Paul understood that. It was clear to Paul. He understood that with, with great clarity that when you sin against God, it costs you everything. And Paul was willing to die so that the nation of Israel could have eternal life. And we go, man, that is, that is, that is motivating. But can I say this to you? Jesus died so that you could have eternal life. Jesus just didn't say he would die. He did die so that you could have eternal life. Make no mistake, Jesus, the very Son of God, the Savior of the world, died so that you could have and I could have eternal life. You say, "Well, Pastor, how does a person have eternal life? What do I have to do? You have to do just a couple of quick things. You have to understand that you're a sinner, that you have violated God's law. If you think, no, I'm good, I'm good, then you can't be saved. The Bible says that Jesus came to call the sinners to repentance. The Bible says the righteous have no need of repentance. If you're righteous in your own eyes, Jesus can't even talk to you. Now, you're not righteous in your own eyes because all have sinned. The Bible is very clear. But if you think you're good to go, there's nothing Jesus can do for you because he has come to call the, the, the sinner to repentance. What does repentance mean? It means to have a change of heart and mind about who Jesus Christ is. The righteous person thinks they're good to go. Jesus says, you're not good to go. You need me. And if you'll tr- put your trust in me, I'll give you eternal life. This is what Paul is conveying in this text. And and I want you to understand this morning that if you're a sinner, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. And if you will turn from trusting in yourself or your errant view of salvation and trust in Christ alone, he guarantees you today that he will save you. Well, how will he save me? Well, the Bible says his blood washes away all your sin. And the Bible says this in in Romans chapter 10, verse number 13, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'll call on the name of Jesus today, he guarantees you that you can be saved. Well, Pastor, I got burdens. He's the burden lifter. I got chains. He's the chain breaker. I got problems. He's the problem fixer. I got a husband. He's the husband solver. Jesus changes everything. He changes everything. I titled this, make a statement. I try to make every message one statement. I titled this or gave it this statement. The distinguishing mark of Christian maturity is a passion for the lost. The distinguishing mark of Christian maturity is a passionate love for the lost. So you're here today and you're a believer. Do you love the lost? Or can you just walk by them and not be burdened to pray To converse with them about Christ. To invite them to church. To invite them to back to church Sunday. To invite them to Frontline Heroes Sunday. You say, why do we have special days so that you can invite people to church? It's weird to say, would you just come on Sunday? So we want to give you time to invite folks. I mean, we want you to do that every week. But special days are special for that reason. Do you have a passionate enough love for the lost that you would stop and tell them about Jesus Christ? Paul was willing to go to hell for them. I'm not sensationalizing that. You you can read it in the text. Um, The whole passage of Romans chapter 9 is founded on the reality that Paul so deeply loved these people that he was willing to go to hell for them. We can't lose that. Yes, they were a blessed people beyond measure, but they were a blessed people who rejected Christ. And Paul is saying, I'd do anything to see them saved. And he lived the entirety of his life to see them. Friends, I want to see you saved. I lost sleep this week praying for you. I Woke up early, went to bed late. The angel of 2.30 in the morning visited me every night this week. I know that there's an angel of 2.30, but if we get to heaven, I'm going to beat him up. I'm going to ask for supernatural power to send him somewhere else. I'll tell you that for sure. But every night this week, that you would come to Christ. Well, I think I've got it all figured out. No, no, without Jesus, you have nothing figured out. I don't say that arrogantly. I love you. I have a passionate love for you. I want to see you come to Christ. I want to visit with you in heaven. I want your life to be changed here. but, But whether your life is changed here or not, I can't really determine that. But I can tell you with certainty that if you come to Jesus, your eternity will be forever with Christ. And the reason that we can have this passionate love for the lost is because the passionate love Jesus had for us. And he is no respecter of persons and he has that love for you if you will come to him today. And if you say, I'm not ready today. Well, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. But if you don't come to Christ today, I pray that you'll come to Christ soon. Soon. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We have no idea. We have no idea. Hey, Chris, are you there? Yeah. Chaplain, we have some head chaplains. Yeah, chaplain, what's up? Hey, um, in your division... There was a teenager that was just killed in a boating accident. Can you get to the scene right now? He said, when that happened? Four weeks ago. Four weeks ago. That kid didn't go to Mission Bay Park that day thinking that they were gonna get hit by a boat, they never would have went. They weren't being careless, nobody was being careless. Hey, chaps, can you minister to the family? Can you talk to the family? Just here in San Diego, I can see the spot from my office. I could drive you to the point. Right where it's at. Hey, chaps, we lost seven bodies in the ocean of migrants coming. Rough seas, and they jumped out. They thought they could survive. Seven bodies perished into eternity. Where do you think they went? Yeah, Here's the deal, I don't know. And I don't know about you. But I know about me. That as a 10-year-old kid, I fell to my knees. I've repented of my sin, and I asked Jesus to save me. And the same Jesus who saved me that gave me eternal life wants to give it to you. And our prayers today is that you'll accept him as your personal savior.
0: You've been listening to Canyon Ridge Radio with Pastor Chris Chadwick. Tune in next week as Pastor Chadwick continues this powerful series of messages from Romans chapter 9. Speaking of, if you have any questions about what it means to be a Christian, the Bible, and how to go to heaven, we invite you to visit canyonridgeradio.com for more information. We hope this episode of Canyon Ridge Radio has been an encouragement to you. Canyon Ridge Baptist Church is a growing church located in beautiful San Diego, California. If you're in the San Diego area, make plans to visit us this Sunday at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 5 o'clock p.m. at 6866 Linda Vista Road. For more information about our church, pastor, or how to know Jesus as your Savior, visit our website at canyonridgeradio.com.